bit about what's going on in this room, because I think there are some fascinating ramifications here for the future. Shh! It's the Milk Flavors. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And I'm Chris. And we're the Film Flamers. Today we're following up on last week's episode of Gremlins with the, I want to say minor classic sequel. (laughs) Gremlins 2. Fuck you, Rotten Tomatoes. I'm still not over that. (laughs) Minor classic. Can sense this. Yeah, Gremlins 2 The New Batch is a 1990 American comedy horror film and sequel to the 1984 film Gremlins. Joe Dante returned to direct the sequel, and it was written by Charles S. Haas. Because Christopher Columbus was busy directing Home Alone, I believe. Yeah. I wonder if Haas is related to the avocado fortune. Hmm. Hmm. It features creature designs by Rick Baker. Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, and Dick Miller reprised their roles from the original, and Howie Mandel once again provided the voice for Gizmo. John Glover, Robert Prosky, Robert Picardo, and Christopher Lee joined the cast. Also, Tony Randall provided the voice for the main Kremlin. The story continues the adventures of Gizmo, who again spawns more monsters when wet. While the original film featured the monsters causing havoc in a small town, the sequel is set in Manhattan. Much of the plot focuses on characters trying to keep them from leaving a skyscraper and into the city. Gremlins 2 was meant to be less dark than the original, with Dante putting effort into making the film's violence and scary moments more slapstick. The film parodies a number of others, including Rambo, The Wizard of Oz, Marathon Man, The Phantom of the Opera, and Gremlins itself. Okay, listeners, it's like we always say. If you want to see something weird, you have to go downtown. This is the Muppet State Manhattan. <laughs> what? I need Gremlins too. <laughs> Remember the last time? We told you not to feed them after midnight. <laughs> We told you to keep them away from the light. And the most important warning of all, we told you to never, ever get them wet. You didn't listen. They're mutating. Sir, it's the building on fire. No, no, that's a false alarm. Are you trying to panic New York City? Absolutely not. So the monsters are real? I didn't say that. Gremlins 2. The new batch. Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. After his owner, Mr. Wing, played by Key Luke, dies, the Mogwai Gizmo becomes the guinea pig of scientists at a lab in the Clamp Center, a state-of-the-art high-rise building in Manhattan owned by an eccentric billionaire, Daniel Clamp. 
played by John Glover. At the mercy of the chief researcher, Dr. Catheter, played by Christopher Lee, Gizmo is rescued by his former owner, Billy, played by Zach Galligan, and his fiancée, Kate, played by Phoebe Cates, both of whom work elsewhere in the building. Clamp befriends Billy upon being impressed by his skills in concept design, also sparking the interest of Billy's superior, Marla Bloodstone, played by Haviland Morris. Gizmo is left in the office where water spills on his head from a broken drinking fountain and spawns four new mogwai, one of them being Mohawk, a reincarnation of Stripe. They detain Gizmo in the air vents and later eat at the building's food court after midnight, becoming gremlins. After Gizmo escapes from the vent, Mohawk captures and tortures him. The other gremlins set off the fire sprinklers and spawn a gremlin army that throws the building into chaos. Billy attempts to lure the gremlins into the lobby, where sunlight will kill them, after Billy briefs Clamp on gremlin knowledge. Clamp exits through a secret tunnel to cover the front of the building in a giant sheet to trick the creatures. The gremlins drink genetic serums in the lab. One becomes the intelligent brain gremlin. Another gremlin becomes female. A third becomes a being of pure electricity and kills Dr. Catheter before Billy traps it in the building's phone system. All the while, television host Grandpa Fred, played by Robert Prosky, films the chaos, aided by a Japanese tourist named Mr. Katsuji. Murray Futterman, played by Dick Miller, Billy's neighbor from Kingston Falls, who is visiting New York City with his wife Sheila, is attacked by a Bat-Gremlin hybrid immunized to sunlight by the Brain Gremlin with genetic sunblock. After fending it off, Murray realizes that he's not crazy and has to help. When Clamp escapes the building using his secret route, Murray uses it to sneak inside to aid Billy. Billy and Chief of Security Forster, played by Robert Picardo, team up, but the enamored female gremlin chases Forster off. Mohawk drinks a spider serum and transforms into a monstrous gremlin spider hybrid. He attacks Kate and Marla, but Gizmo saves them by killing Mohawk with an ignited bottle of whiteout. Billy's plan to kill the gremlins by flooding the lobby with sunlight fails when rain clouds block the sun. He instead directs Murray to spray the gremlins with a fire hose, then releases the electric one from the telephone to electrocute and melt them all. Clamp charges in with the police and press, but sees the conflict is resolved. Thrilled by the result, he promotes Billy, Kate, Fred, and Marla and hires Mr. Katsuji as cameraman. Billy and Kate then return home with Gizmo. Forster calls Clamp to notify him he is trapped at the highest floor of the building. The female gremlin, the only one to survive, corners him and entices him to marry her. The end? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Gremlins 2 was released on June 15th, 1990, the same weekend as Dick Tracy, and it severely underperformed. It earned $9.7 million opening weekend, securing the number four spot at the box office. Dick Tracy earned more than twice that. Other films in the top ten that weekend included Another 48 Hours, Total Recall, Back to the Future Part 3, Pretty Woman, and The Adventures of Milo and Otis. 
I had to include that because that pug is so cute in that movie. Oh, no. <laughs> it's famously horrible to animals, though. <clears throat> oh, is it really? I didn't that know movie. that. Yeah. No, no, I don't like it. Apparently, it was it was all done in like Japan. Like, apparently, it's like a Japanese film, and it's just like narrated in English. It was re- yeah, easy to redo. It was so cute though. Ultimately, like forty cats. Oh my god, it crazy. Were the pugs okay though? No, <laughs> no, nothing no. was okay. <laughs> Everything you see on the screen died during film. Oh my god. I don't know. <laughs> Ultimately, the film would prove to be a moderate dud, earning only a little more than $41 million against a budget of $50 million. The film would be the 38th highest grossing movie that year, falling way behind other movies in the comedy, horror, or fantasy genre. I really would like another metric here, right? Because these movies are even the ones that underperformed in the box office uh, have gotten cult followings or classics themselves you know say like streaming sales and and blu-rays as new formats come out and things like that i'd love to see what the total actual is you know so back in like the rental heyday right i mean the times that i was working in video stores they they would release like weekly numbers right like how things rented and how they sold I mean, in publications for video stores. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm sure that information exists. But let's face it, they're movies, and what they bring in at the box office is how they measure shit. Yeah. So, Gremlins 2 has a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, with an audience score of only 57%. Besides consensus reads, Gremlins 2 trades the spiky thrills of its predecessor for loony satire, yielding a succession of sporadically clever gags that add some flavor to a recycled plot. In short... It's a minor classic. (laughs) (laughs) Roger Ebert, who had praised the original film, gave the sequel 2.5 stars. He claimed the movie did not live up to the potential of the first and said that once the gremlins show up in this one, the movie becomes just a series of gags. Hal Hinson of the Washington Post liked the characterization of the gremlins and their version of New York, New York. He also praised the anti-corporate poetic justice throughout the movie. New York, New York. (laughs) The movie was featured on the cover of Entertainment Weekly and claimed that John Glover and Joe Dante made Gremlins 2 wittier, better, and more subversive than the original. Leonard Maltin, who famously panned the original, as we said last week, gave the sequel three stars for its references of other movies. Glover's imitation of uh, Trump or Turner mashup and Christopher Lee's performance, although it's safe to say his cameo gave it a little extra boost in his rating. (laughs) I still like that part. It does have some award nominations uh, at the Saturn Awards. It was nominated for Best Fantasy Film, Best Supporting Actors, John Glover and Robert Picardo, Best Director, Best Music, and Best Special Effects, but won none. Talks for a third Gremlins movie have been reported for years and years and years. In January of 2013, Vulture reported that Amblin had been approached about rebooting the franchise and Seth Graham Smith was tapped to produce. He has since claimed that the project is on hold. Zach Galligan has been very vocal about the project during interviews. Yeah, you mentioned last uh, last time we talked about it. That's right. In 2015, he claimed that the next film would be a direct sequel, not a reboot. In 2016, he said that Christopher Columbus was aggressively working on Gremlins 3. Columbus himself has been talking about the project. He called the script dark and twisted and has said that CGI would not play a part in production. Rather, traditional puppets and animatronics would be used. An animated series, Secrets of the Mogwai, focused on Gizmo, is set to be released on HBO Max in 2022. I'll probably pass. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the fuck that's going to be. Like, why? why? Mogwais don't have secrets. No. Well, speaking of secrets, let's talk about this cast. Yes. Secretive. 
<laughs> it was an excellent transition. What are you talking about? I don't know. I love that segue. My segues are <laughs> to die for. Uh, no, but this is an excellent cast. I have to say it's it's even more stacked than the first one, which is, I guess, not hard to do. But, I mean, we've got a lot more faces in here, uh, a lot more familiar faces, I'd say. Obviously, Zach Galligan and Phoebe Cates come back as Billy Peltzer and Kate Berenger now, you know, uh, talking about marriage. We've got John Glover as Daniel Clamp, the Trump stand-in, uh, who went on later, I believe, to play like Lionel Luther on like Smallville and a mm-hmm. number of other things, obviously. Um, Robert Prosky has been in a lot of things. He plays Grandpa Fred here um, based on like the Munsters. Yeah, and he's sort of doing like that TV horror host thing, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which I loved. Mm-hmm. And Robert Picardo, which is just, he's been everywhere. He was in, uh, I think he was like third or fourth collaboration with Spielberg and Dante after like Inner Space and a number of others. He was in The Howling. Which, yes, and I love Inner Space, by the way. I, I haven't seen Inner Space in so long. Oh my God, Dennis Quaid, Meg Ryan. Mm-hmm. Robert Picardo. And of course, my favorite, of course, you're going to think it's Voyager, but it's not because he played the doctor, hologram doctor on Voyager. But my favorite his performance is Meg the Swamp Witch from Legend. What? Yes. Meg the Swamp Witch from <laughs> Legend. You know, I think That's you've told Robert me that Picardo. before, too. <laughs> yes. No one knows that. It's Robert fucking Picardo. I always forget when you tell me to. <laughs> What's well, not the doctor? Really? No. I don't think that's my favorite performance of his either. I, I kind of hate that character, actually. Oh, I don't know. And, of course, Christopher Lee uh, as Dr. Catheter. <laughs> Dr. Cushing Catheter. Yeah, he's always in sequels. Like, actually, I think the the anecdote is that when he joined this, the first thing that he did was apologize for Joe Dante for showing up in uh, the Howling sequel, like, Your Sister's a Werewolf or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like the Howling 2. Yeah. <laughs> and literally directly apologized for him. Uh, meanwhile, we've got a lot of like, I don't know, some people might recognize Haviland Morris as Marla Bloodstone, uh, Dick Miller, and of course, Jackie Joseph as the Fluttermans, uh, from the first film. Mm-hmm. And, um, let's see, obviously there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of, uh, cameos, right? Hulk Hogan, Leonard Malton, the reviewer we already mentioned, we'll get into later a little bit more. Jerry Goldsmith, uh, the composer obviously makes a, a cameo that I actually pointed out to Matt when we were watching, uh, next to the, the yogurt. He's like, what's wrong with that machine or something like that? I'm not sure I would know what Jerry Goldsmith looks like. He always has long white hair, like a ponytail. Okay. Yeah. And this is a little shorter, but yeah. Anyway, John Aston obviously is the janitor who was, of course, famously in uh, Adam's Family or Monsters or one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was Adam's Family. Yeah. And Joe Dante, of course, as the director of Grandpa Fred's show. I love Joe Dante. So I don't know. I feel like every single person in this cast just had a bunch of fun doing it. It just seems like that. Specifically for me, Haviland Morris. Oh, God, yes. I think really stole the show. I mean, she's just like, she's good. Every time she opens her mouth, it's I'm kind like, of like a, a young Moira Rose or something. I don't know. Well, much more hardworking than Moira Rose. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, she's always talking about getting her work done, right? She's like, I bang on my keyboard in the dark or whatever. So She's but she, definitely a ladder climber. But, uh, I mean, her little, her affected accent and everything was just working for me. And I just really, really enjoyed her in this movie. Yeah. Well, we are going to get into her a little bit later, but let's go ahead and get into some of the backgrounds and themes, if that's okay. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what kind of themes there are. I mean, actually, there are. There's themes abound in this. Hell yeah. I was like, what the fuck are you smoking? I mean, like, (laughs) people were thinking it was like maybe a light touch on like consumerism or something with gremlins. No, there was nothing in there like that. It's all about 
Gremlins 2 for those types of messages, right? So obviously the, the original Gremlins was a financial success. And Warner Brothers asked his director Joe Dante to make a sequel right away. But, of course, Dante declined because he saw Gremlins as having a proper ending and thus a sequel would only be meant to be profitable. Hmm. Remember that, right? Moreover, the original film was a taxing experience for Dante and he wanted to move on with his life. Of course, uh, after the sequel, ideas like Gremlins in Las Vegas or Gremlins Go to Mars fell through. The studio returned to Dante, who agreed finally to make the sequel after receiving the rare promise of having complete creative control over the movie and he also received uh, a budget that was triple of the original movie and uh, he later acknowledged by that by this point by 1990 it had been you know too much time to pass between the films probably reducing its popularity in the theaters i don't know if i agree with that i feel like gremlins has always been a very popular movie we look at that opening weekend if it had come out in like 19, 1986 versus 1990 True. i feel like you know I don't know, but I guess it depends on marketing, right? Because, I mean, think about Aliens, 1979 to 1986. Well, and if this movie came out the exact same day as Dick Tracy, which was a marketing juggernaut. Oh, huge. Massive. Know, like, there was, it was inescapable. I Dick remember Tracy. the marketing for that movie. <clears throat> so I don't remember any marketing for Gremlins 2. I saw Gremlins 2 in the theater, so, I mean, I, I know They spent that. the entire gigantic budget on puppetry. <laughs> Sheer puppetry. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that worked out in its favor. I mean, like, I don't know. I I feel like, though, it was just the wrong time of the year, again, to release Gremlins. Well, you know, better than the first one. Even like, Well, the first one was supposed to be a Christmas when it was released in June or July, right? True. You know, but you have to look at the other movies that are going to be released on this day. People know this information. Movies are moved around all the time. I don't know why they couldn't wait a week after Dick Tracy or something. I mean, this could have been way more profitable should it have been released you know like later in the summer like an august release or something who knows i mean speculation i don't know or yeah even go for the october release come on it's a creature feature come on but obviously the movie was shot in new york city in 1989 and released in 1990 and as the filmmakers noted this was a time when cable television genetics and frozen yogurt were becoming more common in popular culture hence all are parodied in the movie i'm wondering when i watch this if this is joe dante's version of dawn of the dead i can totally see that like his take on consumerism yeah i mean he does have a very romero directed point in this movie i think yeah, because it was obviously is a lot more humor and, and and satire, right? Like it's his take on consumerism through the lens of greed, corporate culture, and technology. And he's actually stated in in a manner of different ways that it's also kind of a theme of excess that has inspired him to imagine Gremlins too, as a satire of sequels in general, including Gremlins. And there's a lot of in jokes and making fun of the first one a little bit. There is. I mean, and just like any good sequel, it's supposed to like ramp things up, either ramp up the horror, ramp up the comedy, ramp up something. He clearly went the comedic route with this one, right? It seems to me that he's sort of making his airplane. Yeah, he kind of abandoned the Spielberg nuclear family kind of 80s thing Mm -hmm. that Spielberg was just kind of churning out in a few different ways during the 80s, I think, and, and basically made his own real hardcore into parody and satire and comedy, which is what he wanted to do. And it's like the most Dante movie you can get. Yeah. I, and like I said last week, like Dante is most excellent when he's being a little silly. Right. And in this particular movie, like there are some places when one might say it's a little 
little too silly, right? I disagree. So. There's a couple of moments where I was just like, where they didn't quite ease into it as because they kind of ramp it up a mm-hmm. little bit, right? The first one that was kind of jarring is when they're entering the building for the first time and someone gets stuck in the revolving door <laughs> and like spits them out at like 90 miles an hour and it hits that woman and the papers go flying and everything. <laughs> you know, it's everything's supposed to be super efficient and the humans are, are just there like incidentally or something, you know? The building is like one of the funniest parts of this movie, yeah. though. I mean, you've got elevators saying, you've arrived at your destination, please get out. <laughs> Every single announcement that comes on is just fucking knee slappingly hilarious it's very airplane yeah but it doesn't go that extra mile that airplane does it does double and triple and quadruple down on jokes it's just like there and you miss it in this one a little bit more yeah there was just a lot of background humor going on yeah you know and i mean the stuff that's in your face is also really funny but i mean it's it's a hilarious fucking movie we'll just say that so obviously we open up with this looney tunes thing which i thought was like a home video type of situation apparently it was in the theaters mm-hmm. and apparently a book ended the whole movie i didn't wait for the credits to end oh i watched because i knew it was coming right because I'd, I'd seen it in the theater and I, I watched the entire end credits i didn't and apparently in some versions bugs bunny is actually in the credits themselves making sarcastic comments but that wasn't in mind because i did pl- let the credits play for a little bit so daffy duck shows up at the end credits and makes sarcastic comments at things like he's like oh, okay. this is super long isn't it and stuff like that i mean it's not very funny to me yeah i mean obviously so they actually pulled chuck jones mm-hmm. uh, out of retirement to do this is the 50th anniversary of bugs bunny and he had actually quit animation and was pulled out to work on gremlins 2 to bookend it and do those other things and dante explained the animation at the beginning of the film was meant to set the anarchic tone i don't know that he really accomplished that like honestly it doesn't match yeah it, it doesn't fit at all with the movie i'd rather them just get to it yeah you know and like I, I realized that I think that Mel Mel Blanc had died by the time this movie was out, but Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck don't sound the same to me in this movie, and that bothers me. You know, like we have different sounding Muppets now, <laughs> and I'm like, come on, it just doesn't work. You know, and it's it's not as funny as the rest of the movie. No, and it's a different. I mean, I would almost think it would make more sense if it was like Muppets or something, you know? Yeah. It's closer to that humor versus like Looney Tunes. It's just a, a different film company, you yeah. know? So, yeah, yeah WB. Mm-hmm. So they, they're really going with that hardcore Bugs Bunny. And I just kind of wrote down just a bunch of things kind of loosely based on the plot. The first thing I kind of want to talk about a little bit more in depth was Leonard Maltin's cameo, which I thought was just great. <laughs> so quick, though, but it's recognizable. Funny. Like, I, yeah. I couldn't have put a name to his face, but I recognized immediately. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's the guy. And he's actually talking about the inside this movie. He's talking about the VHS release of, of Gremlins. <laughs> and then he's like, it's so shitty or whatever. He's like reading his own review. Yeah. And the Gremlins start like strangling him and goes, I'm kidding. It was a 10. It's a 10. <laughs> I love that he agreed to do that. It's so funny. I mean, and I also like a critic that can, you know, have that kind of like. Well, I could see them selling it to him too. Like Dante being like, we're going to make fun of ourselves. Like, help us make fun of ourselves. Well, and I think that Dante's no slouch. You know what I mean? Like, he knew what he was doing anyway. And it's also a way to get back at Leonard Maltin. So, (laughs) I mean. Yeah, two birds, one stone, right? Yeah, correct. Yes. (laughs) And uh, I wanted to write down basically every single scene in the Splice of Life lab. My Lord. Splice of Life. It's so fun. That entire, anything that takes place in there is just fun. Um, Even, like, Gizmo dancing. 
to whatever chubby checker yeah it's funny but i just i love christopher lee in this movie and he is just super hilarious and even he is like doing a huge send-up of himself half the time he couldn't have been filming for more than a few days for that role he kind of just walks on set says a couple lines and raises his eyebrows you know at his workers or whatever there is a deleted scene with him though where they're talking about the bats or whatever. He's like, don't they suck blood sometimes? And then he like raises his eyebrows and there's like a Dracula theme motif in the background. <laughs> and then that was deleted because it was just a little too over the top, I guess. I don't know if this is on your list or not, but um, the Splice of Life Lab leads us to a really odd scene in this movie where the film breaks and we go to a theater, right? With Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Right. And, uh, like a woman comes out to complain about the movie. And this is another thing I think Dante was doing intentionally, right? You know, parents commenting on making their children or having their children watch something that they're not ready for in the theater. And the movie they start playing seems like some sort of random, like vintage porno. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at one point in the movie, Dante attempts to involve the audience in the story by making it seem as if the gremlins have taken control of the theater where they're showing. So the film strip appears to be broken by the gremlins who then engage in shadow puppetry <laughs> over a white screen before uh, replacing the reel with a vintage nudie film called volleyball holiday. <laughs> and then Hulk Hogan then uh, stands up in the audience and basically intimidates the gremlins into running the rest of the gremlins too. And interestingly, on the VHS, the filmmakers replaced the scene to make it seem as if the viewer's VCR had broken by the gremlins. In this version, the gremlins do their shadow puppetry over white noise before changing the VCR's channels. I don't remember this, and I know for sure I've seen this movie on VHS. My God. <laughs> I wonder if I still have it somewhere. I have to talk about microwave march. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> processed cheese food tuna noodle surprise i mean i would say this movie is like a series of vignettes but it deserves it so well because you know that this is like a big media tower they're all doing different things like some people are building things and planning things and some people are like running tv shows and mm-hmm. stuff and it's just like perfect for this sort of vignette <laughs> action and it all kind of interweaves together and it's just constructed so well and i love that whole cooking show Yes. I mean, she's so funny. What were we talking about earlier off mic? It was like these bologna and bean dip roll-ups. <laughs> bologna bean dip roll-ups will be super popular at your next party. Uh, it's so funny. Pair it with a nice fruit wine. Because <laughs> she's like drunk half the time, right? And when she's I like tried, a lot of sherry yeah, or whatever. It's just like some people use a little. I use a lot. <laughs> She's so funny. It's like she's, they're putting metal utensils in the microwave. They can't do that. That's not what those were meant for. <laughs> like she's like the microwave police because she's microwave marsh. <laughs> I guess I'm laughing. <laughs> well, I love, I love how, you know, out of like, they don't care, right? Like they're gremlins. Yeah. The gremlins have like this, you know, unspoken power, right? The unspoken power is essentially teleportation, right? Just a gremlin happens to be in her soup all of a sudden. <laughs> she rests the pot and there's a gremlin going, ah! <laughs> And then also they have the, the ability to spontaneously create their own props and... <laughs> and costumes. And costumes. <laughs> they just have it at the ready. Or I'd love to see like some sort of like gremlin like sweatshop like with them making costumes. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> by the end of the like the Gremlin, Grem, Lady Gremlina is what she's called in the, in the I script. I think it's Greta, right? <laughs> Lady Gremlina, like the bride gremlin. Yeah. Like she has the whole getup of like a bridal gown. And then before that, she's like in a, I don't know, like a evening gown or whatever with bright lipstick and just super tight, like miniskirt at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like that gremlin too. Um, Another thing that's funny, and it's also background humor, the fucking names of the channels on his cable network are just fucking hilarious to me. Like, they have the safety channel or something like that, and they show some guy, like, <laughs> leading a man and, like, bandages out of it. The archery channel. <laughs> I kept waiting for something to come out of that one. <laughs> the safety channel. <laughs> But he's on crutches, like he's actually hurt in the safety from the safety channel. I don't. I, I could. I could probably watch this movie like three or four times and not get everything. You know, it's for, for sure. You know, th- things that are happening in the background and everything else, everything having to do with the wacky building style and technology, just the way things are designed, not just like the overhead noise and or uh, announcements and things like that. One thing I really, obviously, we want to talk about is basically every scene with Marla Bloodstone. Oh my god, what a good character. <laughs> billing <laughs> she's good she's really funny in this i i was obviously very very stoned watching gremlins too and she's she gets caught in that spider web right and kate's character comes up to cut her out and she pulls out these scissors and marla's like what a resourceful young woman you are and i just found it so funny i don't know why it was delivery completely well but... she also left her there in the webs until she explained herself because of yeah, course, earlier right. in the film she had been kissing on her man i'm like darling it's you <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, I love Phoebe. Speaking of Phoebe Cates, right? Yeah. We get a parody, uh, you know, satire of, of what her story from her ridiculous Santa story <laughs> that we're not like supposed to laugh at, I guess, in the first one where we're, we're literally supposed to laugh at it this time because she was like, they mentioned Lincoln or yeah, something. She, it was like Lincoln's birthday. And, she's like, and then she starts the sob story about Lincoln and literally her fiance is like, we don't have time for this. <laughs> that's funny too. Cause she's like, don't even mention Lincoln's birthday and like turns around, you know, and just the exact same way <laughs> describing like meeting some guy at a park. He's like, he looked just like Lincoln with a beard and the hat except for the raincoat <laughs> and then what he did to me or something like that she was about to go into a really dark place and he's like we don't have time for this <laughs> well she keeps getting flashed by gremlins so i, I loved that too. i wonder if she got flashed by lincoln in a raincoat park or something like that <laughs> jesus don't even mention lincoln's birthday it's another thing i'm gonna start saying at work randomly <laughs> Ugh, don't even mention lincoln's birthday <laughs> So random. I kind of want to watch this movie again. <laughs> I love the flashing gremlin. I love that you brought him up because he was he flashed her in the first one, right? He was yeah. Like, uh, I guess the streaker, right? Is yeah. We call him because mm-hmm. he just has like this little you know little trench, trench coat. coat. <laughs> just opens it. We don't make it anyway. She always has the look on her face, like oh, <laughs> she kicks them away. It just has a look on her that you know gremlins just want to flash. I guess I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like it when when things come back. So uh, uh, there's another one uh, when Billy's trying to explain the rules uh, about the Mogwai to the staff of the building to warn them. The staff, of course, think it's really absurd. And um, they actually interrogate him on like the, <laughs> the precise meaning and everything else <laughs> based on the fans questions about it. Right. And they actually do like a little thought experiment about 
uh, a mugway at a plane with the crossing time zones, right? That's right. <laughs> like, what if he eats well, a caraway seed? somewhere, right? You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. He gets a caraway seed stuck in his teeth and it comes out. He didn't intend to eat that after. <laughs> 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 and then it fucking jumps out of the control panel. <laughs> so, That's perfect. <laughs> yes. Mm. So I, I also want to talk about the different types of gremlins that show up. There's a shit ton. Right. But obviously the bat gremlin that was <laughs> injected against sunlight. <laughs> Genetic sunblock. My brain gremlin. And uh, I love how as soon as that concrete, like he escapes, right? And as soon as that concrete goes on the wet cement to trap him and then he starts flying away, I'm like, oh my God, he's going to get on the building and he's going to be a fucking gargoyle. Isn't and he? there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I like that scene though. It's one of the, I mean, I... <laughs> When the gremlin is flying at Murray Futterman, right? Yeah. It's one of the few moments that I feel like the special effects was a little lacking in this movie. Oh, it was straight up like Army of Darkness, like 1991 Army of Darkness, yeah. where you see like the claws and the wings flapping above the camera. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the rest... very Sam Raimi moment. It is. But the rest of the movie, though, with the animatronics and puppets and stuff like that, it looks so good. Except for the beginning, when Mogwai, they do like a scene where he's walking by himself, and it was obviously oh, yeah, like yeah. stop-motion-y blue screen, mm-hmm. and it didn't look really good. But... Yeah. You know, obviously, this is a 1990 movie, so. I do like the Bat Gremlin, though. I think it's neat. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Bat, like, there's also that Spider Gremlin, which scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. And it's still creeping me out this time. It has that weird, like, noise about it, mm-hmm. right? When it's. Yeah, I was actually, I noticed that. It's like, I've, I've heard that sound effect before. And it's just like, maybe it just like a stereotypical like insect background noise or Maybe. whatever and it's like almost like a really low chirping of crickets or something but it's like more creepy crawly yeah it's like but i've heard it before in, in like cheap horror movies or something b movies it's like crickets mixed with a rattle or something you know yeah yeah uh, but yeah it's, it gets me it's off-putting <laughs> but that's that's a really cool looking gremlin and it looks fucking mean you know yeah. Well, the gremlins in this movie look different than the first one. They look larger for what? They do look larger. They look scenes. more wet. You know, a little bit more reptilian, maybe. They did update the animatronics yeah. to do more facial expressions with them, which they did. They because, did. Because uh, speaking of brain gremlin, I mean, he has to do a lot of talking and articulation with his mouth. And so obviously I had to, to update it. And I love brain gremlin. He's like one of my favorite things about this whole movie. He's so funny. And like, I wish that I would have like committed quotes to memory. Cause the, the funniest part with gremlin brain gremlin to me is when he's being interviewed by grandpa Fred <laughs> and he's like, what do you want? He's like, community or something like we that we want community we want society yeah. of the <laughs> media onsen of this film. <laughs> and then and then the, there's a gremlin behind him that's messing around and he's talking about um civilization or whatever he turns around and shoots the gremlin in the head it's like and obviously that wasn't civilized you know <laughs> he was talking about new york and he was just like obviously we've never been to new york there's the broadway shows we're gonna have to find out to get tickets <laughs> it's funny we want to see the we want to see the violence in the streets although we don't have to buy tickets to see that <laughs> yeah that was it that's what made me laugh so hard it was like there's also the violent streets but i'm pretty sure we can watch that for free who made you in your little suit <laughs> he instantly comes out like as soon as he drops below the table after he's injected or drunk the brain juice mm-hmm. he comes up with glasses on <laughs> someone just handed it to him <laughs> yeah he was he was the best out of all the the newer gremlins um how did you feel about the electric gremlin i loved it because like i was like okay this is cheesy 
Right. But then they put it into the phone system and it's like, oh, he's on hold. He has that music he has to listen to. And you can see the animation <laughs> of the gremlin holding his ears. He's screaming. screaming. <laughs> <laughs> it's details like that that just sell it. You know what I mean? This and, is what comedy is, though. And then the, I the wish details. they'd done a little bit more with the Phantom of the Opera gremlin, which I loved. Again, spontaneous ability to just like just... <laughs> have a costume right he spills acid on his face and then he just like puts his hand below screen and pulls up the <laughs> he just walks away did you see what it said on the beaker of acid though it said acid do not throw in face yeah. <laughs> god we should have watched this movie together i'm telling you i'll watch it again <laughs> But I think one of the fan favorites is the the Lady Gremlin. Yeah, I had named her Bride Gremlin. Apparently, she was credited as Lady Gremlina. <laughs> I've always heard Greta the Gremlin okay. for some reason. Maybe that's the because there was like a there was like a drag Gremlin in the first one. Maybe that was Greta. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I know they make fucking action figures of this one. You okay. know what I mean? Like she's incredibly popular and and funny in in her own regard. Right? Yeah, I think I got Lady Gremlina not from the wiki, but maybe from IMDb. It's possible. So it could be wrong. I don't know. I mean, they never say it in the movie, so no, I mean, it's all it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, it's. I like Lady Gremlina better. I think that's a better drag name. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. Lady Gremlina. I have to change my drag name now. <laughs> but she's all over Robert Picardo. And she has several costume changes. She do- She does. <laughs> and uh, just like immediately, she's like, she calls him a hunk and then attaches herself to his leg and he's running off and she's screaming. She's like, why can't you commit? <laughs> I think she starts humping his leg. Yes. <laughs> I didn't hear her say that. <laughs> I just caught it for some reason. She's running down the hall. Like, Ow, why can't you commit? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I mean, like, <sighs> Joe Dante. Make- <laughs> He makes good comedies. You know, I mean, like the Burbs is incredibly funny, too. He makes really good dark comedies. Yeah. So, Well, I loved Interspace as a kid. Yes. But that was also like learning and kind of nerdy and geeky. Interspace is really, really funny, though, too. Yeah. I like it. Well, Martin Short and Dennis Quaid, you know, no slouches in the comedy department. Dennis Quaid's super hot in that movie. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. You have some fun facts for me? I do. <laughs> Good. They better be hilarious. They're, okay, well, they're not, but not compared to watching the movie. But uh, when Gizmo first sees the janitor, played by John Aston, he says, Gamas, referring to the Adams family from 1964, uh, the character that actually made famous by Aston. He looks and sounds like timeless. You know what I mean? Like He looks like Gomez Adams. He sounds like Gomez Adams. Yeah. I thought it was a funny cameo. In a deleted scene, the gremlins release all of the animals in the Spice of Life lab during the filming of the scene, since they hadn't learned the lesson from the first one, apparently. <laughs> the monkeys in the lab were so, were so genuinely terrified of the gremlin puppets that they refused to leave their cages when their trainers called for them, even with the open doors. <laughs> My God. Monkeys and gremlins do not mix. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's also funny when they're running down the hallways and it's like camels and shit. Like yeah. running down. I, was like, I was like, was that a camel? I, wasn't even, I felt high watching this and I wasn't even stoned at all. Oh my God, you missed out. <laughs> I just thought like it was going to be an airplane scene where some like blonde comes in front of the camera and waves her boobs. <laughs> a fucking camel. <laughs> The original version of the film was longer, but executive producer Steven Spielberg ironically claimed that there were too many gremlins. 
recall our quote from last week yeah. when he said, and several scenes were cut as a result. One deleted scene portrayed three of the main gremlins, Daffy, Lenny, and George, sneaking into television host Grandpa Fred's studio and helping him host, acting on the premise that Grandpa Fred's show was intended to be scary, although the scene was later included in the tie-in novel. I like those those gremlins that one with the buck teeth you know what i mean the really goofy one yeah not the one that's wired all the time who did the marathon man is it safe you know like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, like, the like one with the, the googly eyes yeah. moving all over the place yeah. the first one the, the one they thought was gizmo right he's wired <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the one that's always smoking they all look alike <laughs> you can't tell <laughs> racist <laughs> <laughs> okay well i my face hurts from laughing so much about this movie that i just laughed at last night <laughs> so uh let's ask some questions about gremlins 2 and we'll start with is gremlins 2 the new batch a horror movie less so than the first way definitely but although weirdly this one scared me more as a kid and it's still that spider still creeps me out but that's kind of a phobia thing so that's subjective mm-hmm. You know, and obviously there's moments for kids that are probably a little intense, right? I feel like I didn't like this one as much as a kid. I think you said that earlier, too. Yeah, I didn't. You know, but honestly, I've enjoyed it more as an adult. We'll get that when you ask your other questions. Yeah, because spoiler alert, so did I. So, (laughs) yeah, I don't – you're right. It is less of a horror movie than the original. I think the original is much darker. Um, although this does have some really dark moments, but when it like ramps that comedy up to 11, you know, like it really detracts from the darkness of the movie. Yeah. Which is maybe something they should have done in the first one. Maybe, you know, uh, pull that lever either to darker or lighter, you know, um, there's less contrast for for sure in this movie than the first one. Yeah. Um, you know, but I still say it's underneath the umbrella, but barely. Yeah, I mean, Creatures Alone would make it you it's know, horror Jason. a horror I mean, Jason. It's listed as a horror comedy. So. Yeah, yeah. So were you scared while watching Gremlins? Yeah, when I was a kid, yeah. you know. I was not. It's a goddamn spider. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's creepy looking, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, to me, it's a gremlin, you know what I mean? And I, I when I was a kid, I, I was not scared of this movie. And like we just mentioned a little bit ago, I really didn't care for it very much. When I saw it in the theater, I was like 10 or 11 years old and I was just like, well, this movie's kind of stupid, yeah. you know? Like I, I wanted to see something scarier. You wanted more intrigue and building on the Mogwai stuff. And, well, you know, and I wanted scared just more. to be for it to be darker. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what I wanted when I was a kid. And and so I've I've seen it a handful of times, and each time, I mean, up until about I was a teenager, then I just stopped watching it altogether because I just didn't really care for it. So this has been the first time I watched it in many, 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 many years. So I would say also between 84 and 90, Tim Burton had become a thing and was really true. experimenting with how dark you can get in more lighthearted movies in that contrast mm-hmm. more. And like Batman had just come out in 1989. Dick Tracy came out the same day as this, you know, like, so people were used to a little bit more darkness in their PG and PG 13 movies, especially since PG 13 was finally a thing, yeah. you know? <clears throat> so out of five stars, what would you rate Gremlins to? I gave it four stars. I enjoyed the shit out of it. It was delightful. I, it is what it is, you know? It is. Originally, I had given it three and a half stars last night, but I wanted to give it four. And I was just like, no, like, clearly it has some problems. And I was like, I can't, I can't be this nice to this movie, but I have to. I have to give it four stars. I don't know that it has problems. It's exactly what it wanted to be. It seems like it's exactly the movie that Joe Dante wanted to make with some weird 
you know, levers that you could pull a little bit here and there, like at the beginning with the stupid rotating thing. And there's a couple of gags that are a little over the top, you know, but honestly, I feel like the vast majority of this movie is pretty smooth ride with what he wanted to accomplish. And it's really good. And I I feel like I liked it so much more as an adult, as you said earlier, you know, than I did as a kid. I think that as a kid, you're going to miss all the references in this movie and all the background humor. Like as a kid, you're just there to watch the puppets, you know, and as an adult, you're really getting into the characters and whatnot. I mean, like we really didn't talk about John Glover that much in this episode. There's a lot we could talk about. We could talk about stuff for hours. Probably this is jam packed. I mean like that Trump uh, Turner mashup that they created in this character is just perfect there's more to talk about with the the commentary on on that sort of thing you mm-hmm. know obviously so there's a lot a lot below the surface of gremlins 2 and i was not expecting that on no. this rewatch no so. i've seen it several times and uh probably once every 15 years or so mm-hmm. and when i was a kid not so much when i was like teens or 20s whatever it was i was like eh, you know it's all right and then this is the, i just enjoyed the shit out of it this time i really did too i really really enjoyed myself so finally, and some would say most importantly, who's the hottest guy in Gremlins 2? That's the delivery guy. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. For once we agree. I don't know. We need to look up that actor. <laughs> we should say his name. He's a Hispanic uh, delivery guy. He mm-hmm. shows up a couple times, but he was really... Quite attractive. So he first shows up in Splice of Life, and then he he hears the Mogwai song, and he's standing by <laughs> he's standing by Billy's desk, like in that song, and he was like, "Isn't that that new whatever? Isn't that? Oh, it's by Sting." He's like, "It's not by Sting." <laughs> and I was like, "Don't you talk to him that way? He's beautiful." <laughs> Ew, we almost never agree on the hottest guy. And don't you turn on that red light? <laughs> Well, I think that just about wraps up our conversation on Gremlins 2. Of course, we would like to know what you think about the movie and our discussion about it. Did you like our laughing? You can find us on social media at The Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. If you want to see something weird, we'll take it downtown. Oh, come see the new Snatch. No. <laughs> it's called the new batch. I don't know. <laughs> Yikes. That's what you get. Uh, <laughs> we have some more content coming out for you this month. A special surprise around Christmas, but also head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers, but we'll be covering some tiny creature horror from the eighties. And I think overwhelmingly the gate was voted in a poll. That's right. It's then the poll's still not over, but overwhelmingly that seems to be the winner. I think it's like 10 to two yeah. or something crazy like that. So we're going to watch a young Steven Dorf try and, fight off little claymation demons gateway horror at its finest yep and also uh we are looking for some reviews over on apple Podcasts or itunes leave us a five-star review while you like us and we will read that on shooting the flames and chris why can't you commit well it's because i have to go downtown in the morning <laughs> and then to go to bed early so i can get some sweet dreams, dreams. don't get me wet <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't get me wet, you bitch. But Let's see me after midnight. <laughs> when you're alone and looking for something weird, you have to go downtown. downtown. My snatch. <laughs> <laughs> My <laughs> <laughs> it sounded funny in my head. Stupid out loud. <laughs> I clutched my pearls. <laughs>